Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. I'm excited about the word the Lord's put in my heart this morning for us. So get your Bibles out. I want to talk about something that is so key to our faith and is so misunderstood in the body of Christ and in the world, and it's caused a lot of problems, and I want to give some clarity this morning, and uh, I want to talk about the cross, amen? And when you say that, you think, how could there be any confusion about that? Well, I'm going to show you this morning that there is a lot of confusion about the cross, and you know, a lot of people doesn't make them bad, or it's not even wrong, but a lot of people feel like you have to see the cross, like in this church, if you look around there, we don't have any crosses hanging, and we don't have a steeple on the church, and uh, we don't have, I don't have a cross hanging around my neck, not that you can't wear a cross around your neck, but the, the thing is, is it's not about the cross itself that you have on your neck or that's on the wall, it's about what happened on the cross, it's about who was on the cross, And I want to talk about this morning, it's all about the cross. Amen? It's all about the cross. At Matthew 16, Jesus said some very key words. If you've got your Bibles and your notebooks, we're going to start off in Matthew 16. And he said to his disciples, if anyone, and many have heard this verse, if anyone desires to come after me, it says, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. How many have heard that verse before? Very misunderstood. If we, in our minds today, are thinking of a cross that's physical, then we should all be wearing a a cross on our shoulders today, and we should have all dragged in our physical cross. But how many know it's not a physical cross? It's a spiritual cross, and God is asking us to deny ourselves, and he's asking us to, to understand that it's at the cross that everything changes. It's almost like a crossroads. When you come to Jesus, you come to that crossroad. And that crossroad is either to the left or to the right. And how many know the Bible says always go right? I was talking to my friend David Tyru one day, and we were somewhere together, and we were there was lines. I don't even remember where it was. And he said, let's go to the right. Let's always stay to the right. And I've remembered that since then. Always, I'm going to start picking the right line all the time because no matter what line I go to is going to be messed up anyways. I'm the one that, that uh, you're standing behind at the store. That was the shortest line, and then something went wrong with the computer, or something broke, or something happened. But the right way at that crossroads is Jesus. And I want to talk today about how many, so many people in this world have, have come to Jesus and known about Jesus, but don't truly understand the cross. Taking up my cross means this, a literal life volunteered unto God, surrender to God. That's what taking up your cross means. It means I'm not me anymore. It means my needs are not mine anymore. My desires are not mine anymore. Everything I do, the Bible says, in him we live and move and have our being. Amen? And so I want to talk this morning for a few moments about how only, say only, in the cross of Christ will we receive power when we're powerless. Only in the cross of Christ will we find strength when we are weak. Only in the cross of Christ will we experience hope when we are hopeless. And only in the cross is there peace for our situation this morning. Pray with me. Jesus, I thank you for touching our hearts. And I thank you this morning that as I'm praying, every spirit of darkness, every spirit of confusion, every doubt, every fear, every lie, every deception is disarmed on the cross of Calvary. I love that that verse says you disarmed every principality on the cross. So everything that's depression, everything that's sickness, everything that's deception and confusion is destroyed right now by the precious cross of Jesus Christ. I thank you for speaking to us and giving us understanding and bringing forth fruit, 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 out, of, fruit forth out of this message in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Many people believe, how many would say many people believe in the cross? Even believe in Jesus. I think there's a lot of people around the world that I see people driving around. I see a lot in Costa Rica, they do the cross sign. Or people will tell you, I believe in the cross, or I've heard of the cross, or I believe in Jesus. And they, but they have an understanding of the cross, 
And what I want to talk about this morning is the problem is, is they add things to the cross. I want you to understand this morning, and those that are watching online, the gospel is simple. Amen? The gospel is very simple, and we as people try to make it hard, and I'm going to show you that this morning. So Ephesians chapter 2 tells us something that eliminates the requirements that people put on salvation. Verse 8 of chapter 2 says, by grace, grace, that means something we don't deserve, okay? It says, by grace you have been saved through faith, that faith is in the cross, and not of yourselves. This is the problem. I, I want to just address this and stay here for a minute in this verse that there are people, you may be one this morning, and I hope that God will speak to your heart if you are, that you understand there's a cross, you believe that Jesus died on it, but you don't believe wholeheartedly this morning that that's all you need to be saved. Because maybe you were raised in some kind of denomination or raised in some kind of church that will tell you, yes, but. I want to tell you this morning, there is no yes, but. It's the cross and only the cross, and we're saved simply by grace. And here's why. It says, because it is a gift from God. How many know that if a gift is given to you, if you try to pay for it, it is no longer a gift? Am I right? It doesn't become a gift anymore. And you might be hard-headed and mean and, and not accept the gift, and many people do that. And, and, and we think sometimes of people rejecting Christ. Listen to this carefully. I didn't say this in the first service, but I was just thinking about this right now. We, we, we accept the gift of Christ, and we, we take it and we believe in it, but then we add to it, and it's no longer a gift. And if it's no longer a gift, it's not free. And if it's not free, it's not salvation. So we cannot add anything to the cross. I'm going to get into in a little bit some, some different churches, some cults, some denominations, some, some things that people believe that add to the cross. And those things that those people try to add are things that are supposed to come after salvation. But they, they, won't, they will tell you, some will even tell you straight up out front, if you don't do this, if you don't do that, if you haven't done this, and you haven't done that, you're not saved. And the Bible says right here in Ephesians 2 that our salvation is through faith in the cross, and it is by grace alone, and it is a gift from God. And if I try to do anything to earn the gift, it is no longer a gift. Can I get an amen? Not of works. Many, many, many churches today and religions and denominations are based off of works. And they want you to do a certain amount of things. We should do works. We should be good people. But we don't do those things to be accepted by Jesus. And I'm going to show you that in the scriptures this morning. Because it says if we do it by works, then someone could boast. Nobody's going to be in heaven saying, I'm here because I was a good person. Nobody's going to be in heaven saying, I'm here because I was a bad person. We're going to get to heaven, as I sent that verse out today, because we chose to believe in the door. And the door is Jesus. And the way to heaven is Jesus. And the only way to heaven is Jesus. And it's the cross of Jesus Christ that saves us. And shout this out with me, nothing else. Shout, the cross is enough. It's all about the cross. Okay, I'm talking about salvation. There are many things that we do after we get saved, but you cannot put them in front of the salvation on the cross or it is not a gift. So this has always been a problem. This isn't a problem for the 2000s. It's not a problem for the last 1,000 years. It's not a New Testament problem. It's been a problem since the book of Genesis, and I want to show you that all the way back. But the cross has always been there. Some people erroneously think that the cross is a New Testament idea. The cross has always been in the Bible. And I won't take the time on that story today, but you can go all the way back to Genesis 22 and watch Abraham sacrifice his son, which is a type of Christ and a type of sacrifice, God giving his only son on the sacrifice, and it was a type 
of what Jesus was going to come to be. But we know that the Bible tells us that Abraham lifted the sword to, to strike his son, and God said, don't do it. I just wanted to see if you would, because he was not the salvation. He was not the Savior. Jesus is, and Jesus had not come yet, but came later, the Bible says, that God, again, as Abraham to Isaac, he sacrificed his son and gave his son for our salvation. So all through the Old Testament, you see types, and you see the cross has always been there, and I'm going to show you a story of that in this, this morning. How many know the verse, John 3, 16? Hopefully everybody in here knows that, unless you are a brand new believer, and I know we've got some brand new believers, and that's exciting. But John 3, 16 is probably one of the most known verses in the Bible. And I want us to say it together this morning, but I'm going to talk about some verses before John 3.16 because when we learn to read the Bible, we learn to understand that there are verses on both sides of, of the verse we're reading that are very important. So John 3.16 says, For the world that he gave is only that whosoever would not but have everlasting life. Okay, good. You know it. That's it. But we don't know a lot of times the two verses leading up to that. And I want to show you that this morning to show you that it's all about the cross. Verse 14. And as Moses, and so now I talked about Abraham. Now we're talking about Moses. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Uh, take it down for just a second because I need to give another quick example so you can focus on this. Remember that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. So over here in the Old Testament, everything that's going to happen in the New Testament is being concealed by the New for the New Testament. And then the New Testament comes along and reveals what was concealed from the Old Testament. The old and the new, and don't get it twisted, I think, I think the, 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 the old makes it a word that no one wants to like. Everybody likes things newer than old, right? And so we say new, I like the New Testament better. You have no New Testament without the Old Testament. So the New Testament is fulfilling everything that was spoken, and the Old Testament was shouting ahead to the New. So when you're reading the Old Testament, you should always be looking and seeing, God, what are you speaking about Jesus here? You should always be looking for Jesus in the Old Testament, and you'll find him everywhere you look. Because he wasn't an afterthought. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. Okay? In, in, in the Bible says in Genesis, we made man in our own image. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So this isn't an afterthought. Now, with that being said, we look back at this story, and we see that John is referring to the Old Testament. And he says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And when you look at that lifted up, you can picture Jesus on the cross being lifted up on the pole to die for our sins. It says, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What are we believing in? We're believing in that, that the man would be lifted up on the pole, just like the serpent in the wilderness. Notice here that we don't see anything about a resurrection yet because we can't have a resurrection without the cross. We understand this morning, and I debate this with myself all the time, that the, I, we can go back and forth on which one is more important, but they're equally important because we can't have one without the other. You say, well, if Jesus wouldn't have came out the grave, then the death wouldn't have meant anything, and that's true. But if Jesus wouldn't have gone to the cross, the resurrected Christ wouldn't have came out of the cross because he had to go to the cross. So they're equally important. But the first thing that has to happen is the cross has to take place. And the salvation of our, of our lives and eternity, as that next verse says in 316, is in the cross. Can I get an amen? Now let's look at Numbers chapter 21 and let's look at this story in the Old Testament. Also in the Old Testament, when you read it, it is a picture that is not that much different of today. We're not living in that much different of a world than the Old Testament. The difference is, is we live in the grace period. Thank God. You're coming off Thanksgiving and you don't know what to be thankful for? Be thankful you were born in the grace period. Amen. Because in the 
prior to the grace period, people would just drop dead. Like probably none of us would be here this morning. There'd be no congregation. The babies would be in the nursery by themselves. Amen. So thank God for the grace of God. And we see here that the people in the Old Testament were always journeying, always going, always rebelling, always complaining. And it says in verse 4, They journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the souls of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Pastor Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there's no food and no water. And by the way, there was food and there was water. And our soul loathes this worthless bread. And that bread was bread from heaven. It was manna. But they weren't happy with it. And so God did what is coming to this world very soon, which is judge. And he, the wrath of God is coming on this earth someday. And how many are thankful we won't be here? Can I get a better amen? So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. Is there anybody in here that likes snakes, poisonous, venomous snakes in this place? Okay, good. We're not in, a, in one of those churches. Amen. I know maybe just like a state over in Arkansas, there's some crazy stuff that goes on with them serpents. They take Mark 16 literally. If anybody touches uh, anything deadly, it won't hurt them. I hate snakes. I hate, and I especially hate venomous, dangerous, poisonous snakes. Amen? And so he sent these fiery serpents to these people. And it says, where are we? Verse 6, right? Verse 8. And it says, and they bit the people. Today, this is the picture of people being bit by sin. And many of the people of Israel died. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. I believe that there are people in this world today that are looking for a change. But they don't know where to find it. They say, we've spoken against the Lord and against you. And so they said, pray to the Lord that you would take, he would take the serpents away from us. How many know that when we get saved, we admit that we're sinners? We come to the understanding that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. They said, please, Moses, pray. And so Moses prayed for the people. Now watch this, verses 8 and 9. Then the Lord said to Moses, he, he, have you ever heard the word fight fire with fire? God fights fire with fire right here. He makes a fiery serpent, and God, God always fulfills what's already been done. He's going back to when the serpent deceived Adam and Eve in the garden. That's why he's using a serpent here. He is reminding the people by them biting them and them dying that sin kills. Rebellion kills. And so he sends these fiery serpents, and now to take care of the problem, he's going to fight fire with fire, and he's going to use a, a serpent's picture or a, a, a fiery serpent to put on a pole, he tells Moses. And he says, it shall be that everyone who is bitten, because the reason he does this is the Old Testament says anyone who dies on a tree is cursed. So he, Jesus, when he comes to fulfill the word of God, he becomes a curse for us. Galatians talks about that on the cross. Amen. And so he says to Moses, make a fiery serpent, set it on a pole, and this is a picture of the coming cross of Jesus Christ, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, watch this, when he looks at it shall live. He is simply saying from the Old Testament here, in the New Testament today, when you look at the cross and believe that Jesus was that person on the cross taking our place, you are saved by looking at the cross. You are saved by what Jesus did on the cross. And so Moses made a bronze servant, put it on a pole, and so it was, and so it is today, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked up at the bronze serpent, he lived. Today, salvation comes totally 100% when we who've been bitten by sin look on the cross. Nothing else. Do you see, in, you, if you read it later, it's going to change the story and go a different direction. There's no more things there. But how many know they did their own thing? 
these people, just like us today, as Christians or people in the world, we, we're, we're not okay with what Jesus says. We've got to add something. It's too simple that Jesus died on that cross and all I can do to be saved is believe. That's too simple. I've got to, I've got to make it better and I've got to add things. And, and along the last 2,000 years especially, men and women have come along and they've said, here's what you've got to do to be saved. And here's what you've got to do to be saved. And you've got to go to this church and you've got to wear this and you've got to say this and you, you don't say that. And they've put all these requirements on and it still goes back to the cross. Our salvation is Jesus plus nothing. Amen. Jesus plus nothing. So the, the, the common theme, and I, and I know this is going to help some people this morning, the common theme in today's church world is what happened back then. Moses goes away for a minute, and he goes up to do something great for God, and he's gone preaching as an evangelist in another place, getting the Ten Commandments. And while he's gone, all the people, they have to see something. That's why, church, this is just my, my belief, my feeling, why we don't have crosses everywhere and pictures of Jesus everywhere and, and things that have to remind us because the Bible said, Jesus said, I want you to worship me in spirit and and in truth. You don't have to see a picture or see a cross to be in spirit and in truth. And so what happened is, and this is to eliminate what they did in the Old Testament, he's gone and they look around, the leader's not there, and so they start doing what they think they should do. Hey, pull your earrings out. Hey, give me your gold necklace. Hey, give me your gold bracelet. Let's burn these things. We've got to have something we can see and touch. And they burn the gold, they, they, they melt the gold, and they make a golden calf. And Moses comes down from the mountain and wants to quit being the pastor. I'm done with these people. Amen? That's what, that's what people do. People add and add, and, well, that's not good enough. And at church, again, we need to be people of works. We need to be people that are holy. We need to be righteous. We need to be loving. We need to be compassionate. All the things the Bible says, but those things come after salvation. All these untruthful churches and false doctrines try to put the works before the cross. They try to add things that we do to be saved, and that's not the gospel. They have this, watch, they have a twisted view of the cross. To them, the cross is not enough. To these religions, to these denominations, I'm going to give you some examples this morning just because I was talking to Pastor Marshall this week and, and uh, we talk often and he's in Denver, Colorado and he's been doing uh, a series on Wednesday nights for quite a while about cults and false doctrines and he's been doing them on Wednesday nights and, and then he started talking about the cross and I, and I got pricked in my spirit. I said, I need to preach on the cross this Sunday. This was like on Monday or Tuesday. And so he had already done a lot of the work for what I'm going to tell you about these cults because obviously he spent a whole message on it. But I'm going to throw some things out to give you an idea. And it's not to talk bad about anybody. It's to, it's to teach us the truth that it's only about the cross. Okay? I want us to leave this place this morning understanding that. And so people want requirements. They'll say, I believe what Jesus did and that he died on the cross for our sins. But, and then they'll add whatever it is. If in this church somebody tries to tell you something more than the cross, get away from them. Come tell a leader. Come tell me. We'll talk to them. We'll help them see the Bible for what it is. We're not adding things. Our next step class, our water baptism, our praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, teaching you to tithe, teaching you to pray, going on outreach. All the things we do as believers are things that are evidence of a changed life, but they do not save us. Only one thing saves us this morning, and it is to look on the bronze serpent on that cross and live. Somebody say period, exclamation point. For example, just to throw one out, this one of the largest religions in the world is Islam. Muslims believe in Jesus. They mention him a lot in the Quran. I have read a lot of the Quran. I know a lot of what they believe. They believe that he was born of a virgin. They believe he believed that he lived a sinless life. 
They believe a lot of things that are very important to salvation, but but they don't believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. They actually believe that someone died in his place. They believe that somebody went up and took his place and he didn't actually physically go to the cross, and so their belief is wrong. Because if you don't believe he went to the cross and you don't believe he resurrected from the dead, Paul said our faith is to be most pitied. Another example is even in the early church, this has always existed. Acts chapter 15. I don't have this on the, on the screen, but you can read it later for homework. Acts 15, 1 says this, and certain men, because you've got to remember when, when Jesus came out of that grave, he was a Jewish person ministering to Jewish people first. Don't ever forget that Jesus came first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. How many Gentiles do I have in here this morning? Let me see the hands of the Gentiles. If you're not raising your hand, unless you're a a blood-born Jewish person, you're a Gentile. You just didn't know it. But Jesus came first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. And so he came to reach these Jewish people, and they had a lot of Jewish customs. And so in Acts 15, you can read it later, verse 1, they came to, to them and they said, unless you're circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you can't be saved. So what they did was, we believe in the cross, we believe in everything you're saying, but if you're not circumcised, you're not saved. And that's just an example of many, many, many things that people try to add to the cross. And later on in uh, verse 6, the Bible says the apostles came together to consider the matter. They came to this conclusion of, uh, I got my page in front of my other one. They came to this conclusion that, let me get my verse here. We believe through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that we shall be saved, period, through the grace of Jesus Christ, we believe. Let me say that again. We believe through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved, Period. They said it's not circumcision. It's not any of these other things you try to add on to. It's just Jesus. Amen? How many know that we have healing on the cross, deliverance on the cross, the power to live a Christian life on the cross? We have the power to be healed. We have the power to be delivered. And today it's all about the cross and nothing else. Amen? Here's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to who? Those who are perishing. What I'm telling you right now, if you don't get it or don't believe it, you are perishing. That's just what the Bible's saying. Because once you get saved, and I hope maybe if you're having that kind of feeling, maybe you're even watching online, by the time this service is over, something's going to happen in your spirit. God's going to knock on the door of your heart, and you're going to answer yes. And then, all of a sudden, the cross isn't going to be foolishness anymore. But it says, to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Does it say anything else there? No. The cross. Foolishness to the world power to save to us. Galatians 6, 14. Paul says, God forbid. How many know that's pretty strong? God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you a 20-second background on that. Nobody knew the Bible better than Paul, who was Saul. He was excellent There's a man right now in in Jerusalem who is a Jew that some people think is the next Messiah. And there's all kinds of buzz about him. Someone sent me a video about it. And they're calling him the chosen one because he knows the entire Torah word for word and a bunch of the Talmud word for word. And this would have been Saul. Saul knew the gospel. And what he is saying is all that Bible knowledge that I have of the Old Testament means nothing if I don't understand the cross. The cross. He said, God forbid that I should glory in anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul said, I died daily. Paul said, I have been bought with a price, with the blood of Jesus Christ. My prayer and hope this morning, by the time this message is over, is that you have a deeper love for the cross. 
Not the cross that's hanging on your wall or around your neck, but the cross that Jesus shed his blood on. So for many religions today, the cross is not enough. I'm going to give you just a few quick examples and run through this. The Mormons, for example, and I I don't apologize, I say it respectfully. We may have someone in here watching online who was raised in this or has family in this, but this is just truth. How many know you want the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? And this is going to be a little bit difficult for the women. The Mormons believe that in order for a woman to make heaven, after she dies, she cannot go to heaven until her husband calls her from the grave. I'm just thinking there might be some some not calls made. Amen. I'm thinking they might just stay there. Right? I'm just saying. And it could be vice versa. I'm just telling you what they believe. And then if she doesn't get called from the grave, she just ceases to exist. And I could see some women thinking, that would be fine with me. Not talking about heaven, of course. Amen. This is truth. Now, there, each one of these... This is just a kind of cream on the top thing. There's so much depth to this. Pastor Marshall spent a whole message on these things. And I'm just giving you a piece to think about. They definitely teach salvation by works. But here's the problem. Today, we tend to take this kind of a message and walk out the door and go, I'm good. Ah, Jesus did it all. And we don't do anything for the Lord. See, they're riding on the bicycles to the neighbors is putting us to shame. Because we have the antidote for the venom. We have the salvation message and the truth. And we're not taking it like they are. So we should learn from them. Amen? Because the works are important. The problem is, unfortunately, is they've been taught that the works is what gets them into heaven. And we should be going and doing those works because we're so thankful for the cross. The Jehovah's Witnesses, so the Mormons say the cross was not enough. The Jehovah's Witnesses are the only people who go to heaven. And by the way, as I say this, I want to make this clear. Any cult, any cult is a cult, and you'll know it very simply, when they tell you that the only way you can go to heaven is if you're at their church. That's a tall tale, full-blown, easy way to know if someone you know is in a cult. Because you're not in a cult here this morning. Because we do not believe that you're going to heaven because you come to Victory World Outreach. We believe you're going to heaven because we preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's why you're going to heaven. We do believe that it's very important to go to church. And we do believe that our church preaches the truth. And so we're going to do everything we can to keep you in our church because we know what we preach. But it's not this church that saves you. It's the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ. But those cults will tell you, if you don't come to our church, and right before I read about the Jehovah's Witnesses, I want to say something that happened to me personally. I had a firsthand experience with this. How many know there's probably a lot of things that exist we don't know about? I had never heard, and again, when I say these things, I'm saying with all respect, I'm not bashing, I'm just telling the truth. There is a cult called the Church of Christ. You may, may, may know somebody, you may be here, and that's your church. You may be a member of that church. Just listen to what I'm going to say. In the Church of Christ, I found this out firsthand. I had no idea. It sounded like a good name, Church of Christ. I mean, that sounds good. So about six years ago, we're at the old building, and I'm, preach, I'm getting ready for the service. Back then, we lived closer, so I would drive by myself to church early, and I would get there and prepare for the message. We just had one service at 10. And about 7.30, I hear this bang on the door. If you remember the old building, my office was right next to the door. And I hear this banging, and I got up and went to the door, and I opened the door, and this man came, came in. He was drunk as a skunk, high as a kite, and just out of it, just, just crying and screaming and wanting help. I brought him inside the church. I brought him to the altar. I began to minister to him. For quite a while, I prayed for him. I cast demons out of him. I, pray, I prayed for healing for him. And long story short, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. He sobered up 100% in his mind. I've seen that many times over the years. Someone be demon-possessed and drunk and on, on drugs and come to their right mind by the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. And I wasn't praying for him. In the name of Victory World Outreach, I bind you, Satan. I was praying for him in the name of Jesus Christ, the crucified. 
And he got set free. And he says, I'm, he's in his right mind now. And he says, I'm coming back. And I'm going to bring my wife to church at 10. He says, I've been having struggles with my wife. And they came back. Two, maybe three or four weeks went on. They were at every service. Some of you will remember this. They were at every service. I remember they were there at a potluck for sure. Fellowshipping. His wife was very skeptical when she came in because this is obviously a man you can tell when you meet the spouse. That he hasn't been in church and he's been a problem. She was very skeptical. As time went on, a couple weeks in, she started to <clears throat> put her guard down and enjoy the services. So God was moving in their lives. About the fourth week, I'm preaching, and I see them walk in kind of late, and I see the two of them come in, and they come in with his mother. As soon as she walked in, I sensed something was wrong in my spirit with this woman. They sat down there listening to the message. I looked out at her, and she looked like, she didn't look like a, a, a mom who had a son who had been set free from drugs. She looked like a woman who had been baptized in lemon juice. Her, foul, her face was sour. Her arms were crossed, and she was just looking at me like this the whole service. So service was over, and I get a call about 3 o'clock that afternoon, and this man says, listen to me closely. He says, Pastor, I can't come back to Victory World Outreach because I've been here with my, pa my mom's pastor all afternoon, and he has showed me in the scriptures that I'm not saved if I don't get baptized in their church, and I'm not saved if I don't get saved in their church, and so I've got to leave your church and go to my mom's church. Can you imagine a mom who has been praying for their child all those years to see him be delivered from drugs and alcohol and be so brainwashed by religion that she would pull him out of a church that she just got saved in and changed and transformed? And I, today, this, to this day, I don't know if he's going to church or not. I doubt it. I saw that firsthand. I did not know that that was, that what, that, what that was about. They believe wholeheartedly. I have some friends in this church, wholeheart that know this first, firsthand. They believe wholeheartedly. If you're not saved and attend there and baptized there, you're not saved in that building. We don't believe that. This building does not save you. This church does not save you. What we believe very strongly in Victory World Outreach is we'll help you stay saved. So the Jehovah's Witnesses, only 144,000 go in. They have math problems, being respectfully disrespectful. There's a, several million members, but only 144,000 are going in. Like I'm thinking, do they do a lottery or like how, what if you're 144,001? Think about it. This is what they believe. They're the 144,000 of the Bible. They say they'll, they'll live on the earth forever. And the rest that aren't the 144,000 will cease to exist when they die. Again, you cannot be saved unless you're a Jehovah's Witness. They do not worship the Jesus of the Bible. They preach salvation by works. Seventh-day Adventists. Adventist, this is another uh, group that meets on Saturdays. And here's why it would be considered a, a cult. There's, there's, sometimes there's things that have very many similarities and good things, but they add. Are you all following me? So they say if you go to church on Sunday, you're not saved because it's the Sabbath, which is Saturday, which is the Old Testament. But they'll tell you that. They teach also salvation by works. Don't get mad at me because I know there's a lot of X in here and a lot of people who have family. But Catholics Church, I could definitely preach a whole message on the, on the Catholic Church. I'm only going to just give you a few things. They have seven sacraments that say you need, to be, uh, you need to do to be saved. You cannot be saved unless you're part of the Catholic, which means universal church. They, they believe in many things. They teach the Hail Mary. They teach the Rosary. They believe, they believe praying to saints. They teach a lot of good things. They believe in Jesus Christ and Him resurrected and crucified and all that, but they add. Are y'all following the theme here? So that's why we consider ourselves non-denominational. People say, hey, what, what, what you, we're non-denominational. We're not part of any of these groups that people try to group you into. Another one is the oneness group. They believe in Jesus only. Even though Jesus, so they basically believe there's no trinity. Let me know that's an important part of your faith. They believe Jesus only, Jesus is God, Jesus is everything. And, and we know Jesus is everything in the sense of salvation, but they actually believe he's just Jesus. There's no, there's no Godhead. And so the danger there is Jesus himself said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and uh, they also believe that you have to be baptized in their church. I do like this, although it's not for salvation. You must speak tongues, speak in tongues to be saved. 
and they abide by strict and legalistic standards of holiness. You may know someone, have been to church, grew up in a church, or anything like that, where if they add anything to the cross, it's not biblical. Can I get a better amen? Am I preaching the truth? This is, this is not my words. This is the words of the Bible. Amen? Legalism, denying the power of the cross, denying salvation. All these are different things that happen in, in cults. I want to share one more uh, before, the, before the musicians begin to come. Is, is when I, another one I found out recently since I've been in Texas in the last 15 years. I did not know this existed. And it's called Calvinism. It's very big in Texas. There are some very large churches in this. I'm not going to name the churches. I do have a couple names that if you come to me later, I'll t- if you ask me, I'll tell you the names of these people that I wouldn't listen to if I were you. Because they teach a gospel that has, is called Calvinism, comes from John Calvin from the 1600s. And here's what they basically preach in general. There's a lot of stuff to it. But the general understanding is they preach predestination. And what they preach is that God has already predestined and ordained every person who's going to go to heaven and every person who's going to go to hell. Now, how many understand the difference between pre- preordaining and, and knowing? God is an all-knowing God, and God knows everybody who's going to go to heaven and knows who's going to go to hell, but he gives us free will. Calvinism teaches you that, that you are either going to heaven or you're going to hell. And if you are saved, it's because you were supposed to be, and if you're not saved, it's because you weren't supposed to be. So parents, let me just make this easier for you. If this was your religion, you'd have five kids, and you'd choose three of them to go to heaven and two to go to hell. So which ones would you choose to go to hell? What father would do that? Not God the Father. It's a powerless religion. They don't believe in healing. They don't believe in the power of the cross. They don't believe in speaking in tongues. It's dangerous. These are things, church, that you've got to understand. They're, they're going to be like poison. How many know with poison, if you're trying to poison a rat, you can't smell or taste the poison? It's just enough to kill you. Satan is involved in these cults. And he, if it was too much different, then it wouldn't fool anybody. But if you say, oh, we believe in Jesus, and we believe in the cross, and we believe that he, he resurrected, and we believe all, and all these things, but then they say, but, that's where you say, time out, nope, no buts. It's all about the cross. You can't add anything to it. Is everybody still here? Because of what Jesus did on the cross, I want to be holy. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, I want to witness. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, I want to be faithful and serve him in ministry. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, I want to sacrifice my life for him. See the difference? I'm I'm doing all those things as a result of what Jesus Christ did for me. Not that I do them so that Jesus will love me. Jesus will love every person all the way to hell. Does anybody know here this morning that there's about 8 billion people on the earth right now? I want to tell you something. This is another sign that we're in the last days. I was reading this this week. I thought this was very interesting. There may be eight and a half. It grows so fast in the world. And since creation, watch this. So right now there's 8 billion people. You go back 100 years or however the longest person is living to go back to that time frame of when this started, the 8 billion people on the earth right now. From that time all the way back to creation, they say statistically that about 8 billion people lived. If that doesn't tell you we're in the last days, there's as many people on the earth right now as have ever lived in all of cre- since all of creation. And then you add those together and let's just call it 16 billion people. When Jesus went to the cross, he took, I want you to think of a sin. Don't think of your worst sin because that might take you to a bad place. But just think of a sin you've committed. What if it was just one sin that Jesus died for? He took on that cross on his body, a body that was physically human, 16 billion sins. It's, it's beyond our mind to even comprehend how someone could do that. And the Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for us. And it was on the cross. 
Those nine hours that Jesus spent on the cross, he lived his entire life for those nine hours. And we can't ever, ever understand. I've said this about 50 times in the last few weeks. I'll never know how much it cost to see my sins upon that cross. Just mine. I'll multiply it times 16 billion people. That's the power of the cross. And nobody else can do it but Jesus. Now, stay with me for 30 more seconds. I want you to, th- I w- I want you to think of one person in the Bible who is the greatest example of eliminating all these buts and adding requirements, and it's the thief on the cross. I want you to think of that thief on the cross. He was never baptized in water. He never spoke in tongues. He never witnessed to anyone. He never received communion, first, middle, or last. He never went to church. He never paid tithes. He never went on an outreach. He never did any of the things that church will tell you, erroneously, that you must do to be saved. He simply looked over at God and cried out for mercy and said, Would you remember me today? And Jesus didn't look back and say, No, I can't. I'm sorry. You haven't fulfilled the requirements to be saved. You haven't been good enough. You didn't go to church enough. You didn't pay enough tithes and offerings. You didn't go on outreach enough. You didn't pray enough. And on and on and on and on. Is anybody thankful that he didn't look over to that man and give him all the requirements that churches require today? He simply looked and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Because this what you see right here is all you need. The cross. Amen? And I, and I, and I, I was just thinking, can you hear his answer now? As he gets to the gates of heaven, what the world calls the pearly gates. We don't know if that's gonna, biblically going to happen the way they, they make that story, but it's, it's good for today. He gets to the pearly gates. Can you imagine if the legalists meet him there? What are you doing here? You didn't, you didn't do this and you didn't do that. Or, or they try to stop him from coming in. And I could just see this man that we don't know his name looking at him and saying, The guy in the middle cross said I could come. The guy in the middle said I could come. That's all the thief knew. He didn't know any Bible verses. He didn't know anything else than that guy in the middle said I could be here. And you know what they're going to say in heaven? There's not going to be any legalists there. There's not going to be any people with a list. There's not going to be any people looking at how much you gave or what you did. All that stuff is for reward later. They're going to look and say, oh, Jesus said you could come in? Then come on in. Come on in. Jesus said you come on in because he's the door. Jesus, 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 and no one else. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this place? We are all that thief on the cross and greater. But today there's salvation. For you that's watching online, for you that's sitting in this place today, I feel in my spirit there are people here today that you've been raised in a church and you're walking in a bondage that is not of God. You've been told so many things and you have a twisted view of the cross. And I'm going to tell you something this morning I can consider myself one of those people. When I was first getting saved, I had a twisted view. God had to give me a revelation of what the cross was. It's Jesus plus nothing. It's equal ground at the cross. And today, all over this place and all over the world, people who call on the name of the Lord and look upon that cross will be saved. He who believes in me, though he were dead, he shall live, Jesus says. How many in this place, from front to back and side to side, could be honest with God today and say, God, I've never put my faith 100% 
in Jesus on the cross and him crucified. And today I want to be saved. I've never believed on Jesus today is my day. Just lift up your hand all across this place and say, pray for me right now. That's me. I need Jesus all over this place. You may be saying, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how many mistakes I've made. That thief on the cross wasn't asked by Jesus what he'd done. He just said, look on me. And he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Jesus, when he forgives us, he forgives us as far as the east is from the west. He throws our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. How many all over this place? I don't want you to walk out of this place and, and die and breathe your last breath today and pass into eternity and not have salvation in your heart. Today, salvation is in Jesus Christ. Just putting your faith in him. I'm just going to wait just a moment more. How many all over this place? Just put it up and say, I want to change today. I want to have hope today. I want to be born again. I want a new life today. All over this place. Amen. You may be watching online. We're going to stand this morning. And, and you're listening and God is touching your heart, maybe on the podcast. We're going to pray with you in just a moment. Every service, church, you can know if you bring someone to this church, they're going to have a chance to be saved. Because it's not about our message, it's about his message. The cross is always going to be preached. And we're always going to give an opportunity to be saved. I want to ask this morning that you would uh, find that nearest aisle, all of us. I want everybody that can, that is physically able to come down to this altar. We're going to pray in just a moment and thank God for his salvation. We're going to thank God. I hope, as I said earlier, that let's come a little closer if you can. I'm not going to spit on you, I promise. I've got to make room for those behind you. I promise you that Jesus wants to reveal the cross to you in a deeper way. He wants you to understand. If you come up here with any mentality, but, but, but let those butts be killed today. Let those butts be destroyed today. Let those butts die and just say, it's about the cross. The cross, the cross, it's all about the cross. Amen. We're going to pray in a minute for healing. Marriages, finance, loved ones, whatever we have needs of this morning. I, I believe there's some people here who've got some people they know who are bound by religion. You, if any of those things I mentioned, you may have family members or neighbors or people that you know, and, and, and they, they, they are good people, but they can't seem to get away from those things they've been taught that you have to do to be saved. And sometimes you're, let me tell you one thing I've learned, you're not going to convince those people. Only God can. Because there, there's a brainwashing there that happens. But we've got we've to stay in this book right here and not get off this. And when you read those verses, you cannot add to them. It's just the cross. Amen? And so I, I want to do something this morning that I feel the Lord told me to do, and I fought my flesh on it, but I'm going to do it. I want to sing a song that my papa used to ask me to sing. And it's called the Old Rugged Cross. This, some of y'all will be like, yeah, it's back in my day right there. I love the old songs. I love the new ones too, but I love the old songs. But I'm going to sing this, and as we sing it, I want you to think about the words. And I want you to pray for healing in your body. And I want you to pray for miracles in your finances. And I want you to pray for breakthrough. And I want you to believe God to heal you as, as I sing this song. My papa... His, who's with the Lord and was a great example to me as a man of God. Used to, I'd be over at Lindsay Street Church, which was interesting, about a mile from our Fort Worth Drive Church, the year before we moved to Costa Rica to start the mission, mission field. And we would just be in church like today when I got up to preach, and he would just, and don't y'all, none of this, none of y'all do this ever. He would just stand up before the preacher was about to preach, and he'd say, I, I want my grandson to sing a song. That's kind of how them old churches used to be. And I, and I knew who his grandson was, let me tell you. And I had to get up and walk up there and grab a hymn and sing a song. But I thank God for that today because that's part of my heritage. Is, is those precious people taught me about the cross. 
the cross. Amen. So I do have, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing, though, as I would do every time I ever sang. You have to close your eyes and not look at me because it's not a concert. But I pray it ministers to you. So if you don't close your eyes, I'm going to come closing for you, and I can't sing and do both things at the same time. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Just look at that cross today. Just think about that cross. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross. Just lift your hands this morning till my trophies at Last I lay down, I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it, and exchange it someday for a crown. Listen to these words. To the old rugged cross, I'll ever be true. I will ever be true. It's shame. It's shame and reproach gladly bear. Then he'll call me someday to my home far away, to my home far away. Where his glory, where his glory forever I'll share. Sing it with me. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. Yes, Lord. I will cling to the old rugged, yes. Oh, get a deep love for the cross and exchange it. And exchange it someday for a crown. I'll sing, I'll cling one more time. I will cling to the old rugged cross. And exchange it. And exchange it someday for a crown. Father, I pray right now for healing in everybody right now. As we go to sing a worship song to you, I bind the spirit of sickness. I bind that doctor's report this morning. And, Lord, we know that you said in 1 Peter chapter 2 that on that cross you bore our sins and you bore our sicknesses, and by your stripes we are healed. We bind the spirit of cancer. We bind the spirit of tumors. We bind the spirit of intestinal pain and migraine and arthritis. Lord, we bind the spirit of ulcers. We bind thyroid cancer throat cancer. Lord, we bind every sickness and disease in Jesus' name this morning because in your presence, Lord, there's healing right now. Father, we lift up marriages. 
We lift up the brokenhearted. We lift up the backslidden right now. We pray for those that are backslidden, that are running from the cross. Lord, that are lost today, that they'd come home. We pray for financial breakthrough today. We pray for addictions to be broken in Jesus' name. I want you to take that addiction. I want you to take that lust. I want you to take that fear. I want you to take that sickness, and I want you to put it on the cross today. The Bible says that those powers are disarmed in Jesus' name on the cross. The cross is enough. The cross is enough. The cross is enough this morning. Believe it this morning. Believe it this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, the cross has the final word this morning over your situation, over your fears, over your sickness, over your marriage, over your finances. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.